Welcome to Two Wills and a Mic, two generations, two genders, and two very different personalities with one simple goal, and that is to inject just a bit of thought-provoking insight into today's narrative. In these epic conversations, there will be criticism, controversy, and curiosity all wrapped in questionable humor and delivered with a healthy dose of tough love. These conversations are so special to us, and we really hope that they will be valuable and interesting to you. I'm Kaya. Hey, and I'm John. Let's get started. Hey, Dad. Hey, how are you, Kai? I am just great. And you? <laughs> doing well. Doing well. Uh, what's on your mind today? Well, um, COVID. Oh, my God. There's that. How, how could it not be? <laughs> it's everywhere, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Um, that and the uh, flaky yellow friend that we call pollen. Oh, so yes. The, there's there's that, too. Well, that's nicknamed Georgia Sunshine. Yeah, it's not my sunshine, that's for sure. Uh, understand. <laughs> so let's let's talk about uh, COVID. Yeah. Why don't we why don't we open with that? Let's, let's talk the current narrative. Let's go for it. What does that look like today? I just found out something pretty exciting. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Oh. Yes. The United States apparently now leads the world in COVID nineteen cases. Oh my gosh. I feel like that deserves an applause. It, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because once again, the U.S. are the undisputed front runners, of course. Well, that's I mean, that's great. It's awesome that the U.S. had the opportunity to shine in something since the Olympics have been postponed. True. So true. This is like the disease Olympics. Exactly. Yeah, and we what are we? Winners. Finally. That's right. Winners. <laughs> I got better news. OK. New York, our home state. Stop it. Yes is being given the illustrious title and crowned the epicenter of the COVID-19 virus in the United States. Wow. Yes. They're single-handedly dominating. I am so proud of us. Yeah. We should be we should be thrilled. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So on a serious note, <laughs> now that like 85% of the listeners that tuned in have tuned out. Yeah. Um, let's talk about symptoms, sickness, and recovery. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, why don't we start with symptoms? So COVID-19 symptoms. Yeah. So the most common symptoms for COVID-19 are reported as being uh, fever, tiredness, dry cough, and then some patients have reported experiencing aches, pains, nasal congestion, runny nose, sore throat, or diarrhea. Um, and it seems like this is kind of a broad range. It seems like they have a kind of a base understanding of what the symptoms are. Hmm. But I've been hearing different variations of like added things. Some people who have said that they've tested positive have experienced a, a bunch of different things that they weren't mentioning before. Like I saw one article from, I believe it was the New York Times, that was saying that somebody who had tested positive reported that they had lost their sense of smell and taste before finding out that they had tested positive. Wait, lost what? Their sense of smell and taste. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Whether that came back or not after they, you know, started recovering, I don't know. But mm. apparently that could also be one of the symptoms. <laughs> that is uh, special, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so 
your fever, I mean, your, your symptoms sound very similar. Let me take a look. I'm just pulling up symptoms of the flu and it looks like the typical flu symptoms are a fever, a cough, sore throat, chills, muscle aches, aches, sorry, muscle aches, congestion, runny nose, headaches, fatigue, or loss of energy, could be a loss of appetite, dehydration, fever, flushing, sweating, sneezing, chest pressure, head congestion, nausea, shortness of breath, sore throat, and some swollen lymph nodes to go along with it. It sounds to me like the symptoms for the coronavirus are a lot like the symptoms for the flu. That Yeah, that definitely seems like quite a bit of a crossover there. But no coincidence, I'm sure. No, no, probably not. There's a ton of hype and, um, you know, media attention being given the COVID-19. And, you know, potentially rightfully so. I understand that this particular variation has a propensity to live in the air longer, live on surfaces a bit longer, and <clears throat> is more easily transmissible. But I'm curious in terms of numbers, just you know, looking at the, the overall impact. So that's, you know, how I think, as you know. Um, apparently, there's approximately 255 cases of COVID-19, aka coronavirus, per 1 million in the U.S. Wow. Um, I don't know that that is a super significant number, but in all fairness... I also don't know that this, you know, per 1 million or, you know, 255 cases is, is actually accurate because there are a lot of cases that go unconfirmed. Um, people have minimal to no symptomology. They have symptomology that's more consistent with the common cold than even the flu. And therefore, there's no reason for them to go and get tested. Therefore, the cases have not been confirmed, so it would not contribute to that number. However, 255 cases per million is relatively low Yeah, in the grand scheme of things. Definitely, yeah. Um, it also looks like that deaths and serious, you know, serious cases of the, of the virus are relatively low in comparison. I've got a, um, a report, an article that was pulled up here, uh, and it's, it's dated like late 2019. Febu uh, actually, that's not true. February 2020. So February of this year, just last month, uh, almost uh, a month. Yeah, almost, almost a month ago. Um, and it says, briefly that, uh, you know, a lot of attention has been given to the coronavirus. And at that point, it had not really penetrated the U.S. yet. There was only 19 cases that had been confirmed in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, there were 22 million cases of the flu. 
So in February, there were 13 cases of the COVID-19 virus confirmed in the U.S. And at that particular moment in time, there were 22 million cases of the flu. And that is a pretty significant number. What's even more significant is that apparently of that 22 million, 4 million of those cases occurred over a one week span of time. And as we know, February is kind of just not quite the apex or the middle of flu season. So they predicted that flu activity will only continue to increase in the upcoming weeks. Now, this was dated February 13th. The upcoming weeks would put us basically at the end of March, Mm -hmm. which coincidentally coincides with the rampant uptake of quote unquote COVID-19 cases. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sounds a little peculiar to me, but I don't work for the CDC. I mean, this article was written by them, but um, we can only go with, with what we're being told, right? So what are your thoughts? That's a <laughs> a uh, a tricky spot. I think the kind of what you were saying um, begged the question for me. What you've been hearing is that you know it's a that it's old old people that have to be concerned, right? Like if you're younger and you don't have any pre existing health issues, then you're fine. For the most part. And now they're kind of saying, well, no, there have been some younger people who've gotten infected and, you know, it's not just old people or people who are immunocompromised. There are other options that would fit into there, too. So now what I'm wondering is if we're coming off the tail end of flu season with as many cases as the CDC reported, is it possible that the coronavirus in itself is not actually as harmful as they think? but rather that the majority of the people who are being infected are were just on the tail end of recovery from the flu or another seasonal bug, thus they were already immunocompromised. And then the coronavirus came in and was like, hey, surprise, you're not better yet. Yeah, kind of like a one-two punch and then an uppercut. Exactly. You know, the, here's another potential theory. Um, that would be cause for some speculation by some, uh, not in my mind, but I'm not going to give you my hard opinion. Um, and that is that the majority of individuals that, you know, contract the flu and have really extreme and severe symptoms usually are already immunocompromised. That's mm-hmm. number one. So why 22 million cases of immunocompromised Americans and why 4 million new cases over a one week period of time. That is what I look at and I'm like, wow, the immune systems of 22 million Americans Mm -hmm. on the low end, right, is that weak or are that weak that they would be susceptible to, you know, to the flu. Now, the flu is a nasty bug. There's no two ways about it. And I don't want to sound like I'm belittling or downplaying the significance of it. However, with the rampant increase in vaping, the consistent secondhand smoke 
you know, that we've been subjected to mm -hmm. the increase in pollution, um, electromagnetic disturbances, all of these things contribute to compromised immune systems. Number one, yeah, definitely. number two, compromised respiratory function in a major way, which has been the primary cause of, if I'm not mistaken, primary cause of death and severe cases of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Respiratory distress, trouble breathing, that's, yep. you know, brought about the demand um, for ventilators, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So if these things were not in place, you know, from a from an immunodestructive perspective, would this be very different? Yeah. And I think that's a great point, actually, because I was looking at the kind of the map of where the COVID-19 cases are um, and the numbers for each country and continent and kind of that breakdown. And as I was scrolling to the bottom of the list, it kind of struck me as odd. And I had seen kind of some jokes and memes about how like the coronavirus couldn't get to Africa. And when it did, it couldn't live there. Mm. Right. Um, but as I'm looking at these places where they have one, two, three confirmed cases and like 90 to 95 percent recovery rate out of that tiny number of cases. Right. I'm wondering, does that contribute to the fact that these people are still living in what would be considered an underdeveloped um, community? Thus, they're not dealing with the same issues of vaping, like you said, that's not an option. And they're not dealing with the, the electromagnetic disturbances. Mm -hmm. There's very limited blue light, mm -hmm. I'm sure, if any. So there isn't that issue. Plenty of sunlight. Exactly. Plenty of sunlight. A lot and of outdoors. It, exactly. If we look at their physical activity versus the average American's physical activity, I'm sure there's a stark difference there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So all of that raises the question um, as to how severe this quote unquote disease would be in a otherwise healthy and unencumbered population and whether or not our behavioral habits are contributing to increasing our quote unquote at risk variable. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's pretty obvious because if you look at those dangerous behaviors or destructive immunodestructive behaviors, um, they're immunodestructive behaviors because they destroy your immune system. So obviously they would be harmful to, you know, to us as organisms. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I don't, I don't know what to make of the virus itself in terms of its quote-unquote danger as a whole but i do know that nothing occurs in a vacuum and when you combine you can combine something that's relatively mild not that i'm again i'm not trying to downplay this but i'm saying you could combine something that was relatively mild with a um you know non complementary lifestyle and on the on the other side of that on the the other side of the equal sign comes out you know very very undesirable results so this could be a situation where us as you know westerners we have put ourselves in a situation which you know you've heard me talk about ad nauseum at this point <laughs> about you know us creating our own internal and external environments and how we, you know, our lifestyle choices, 
dictating and influencing our overall health and well-being. So this could be, I think, a very significant factor in looking at this quote-unquote disease. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I think that's maybe something that's being slightly overlooked. Um, and I haven't heard any, and as you said, as Westerners, that uh, reminded me of something because I was reading this article earlier and it said that in Western medicine, they've yet to find anything that could cure the coronavirus, mm. meaning there's no vaccine, there's, you know, no, nothing over the counter that you can take. And that kind of led me down a whole nother rabbit hole um, because I wonder if it's a situation like there has been so many before of we're looking in the wrong places, <laughs> mm. you know, of um, there are cultures and uh, communities that have the answers. And if you look to them, just like with happiness, just general happiness, mm -hmm. If you look at America and you look at the stats, America is not the happiest country. No. I don't think not, they've ever been. No, not by uh, any stretch of the imagination. Exactly. And, and statistically. But that's not because the answer to that doesn't exist. Because if you look at a bunch of other cultures, mm. they figured it out. Isn't there something <laughs> like, like Finland or I think so. Or Iceland is yeah. the happiest uh, happiest nation on the on the planet? And that's crazy because they spend like three months in the dark yeah. or something like yeah. that. And, and then you look at, you contrast that against a place like Seattle, which yeah. has an inordinately high depression rate and suicide rate. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, have said, they speculated that it's related to, it's constantly overcast. Well, yeah. not constantly, but there's a, it, you know, by majority it's overcast yeah. and it rains a lot or mm -hmm. a fair amount. And this is the contributing factor. And I'm like... I don't know. There yeah. are much more severe climates in the world where people actually, you know, test and score much higher on the happiness and fulfillment scale. Yeah. So I don't think that's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's got to be something else. You may be a bit misplaced here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's jump to kind of the next um, uh, next line item here, which would be sickness. What are the we talked about symptoms, mm. but like when you have the coronavirus, what does that look like? Are you bedridden? Do you, you know, are you like 108 fever and, you know, that kind of thing? Like what's going on? So that and again, what I've seen from different articles, CDC, New York Times, uh, Washington Post, everybody. It seems to literally vary by person. I've read about quite a few cases and recoveries, and they all seem to have different stories. There are some things that overlap, like, oh, I had a fever and I had a fever. But there are some people who they say that they've tested positive and technically they have it and they're like a week and a half in and they still have no symptoms. So isn't that, see, again, I find this really odd Yeah, that we have not seen any interviews maybe it's just me because i don't yeah, yeah i don't watch the news but i haven't heard of any interviews like live interviews of people like i have the coronavirus i got it you know i believe i was infected on such and such day i'm on day 17 and you know here's what it's like yeah right i that's crazy 
because I know. well yeah yeah i mean we we see people with colds and flu all the time but yeah this it, i just haven't seen any yeah um i know there are a few that have been done i know oprah did one with idris and sabrina elba and i know that there was a basketball player who i believe did a, a virtual interview with robin roberts um but was the microphone six feet away <laughs> no oh. <laughs> uh he was recording it was like cameras like right in front of his face like dude can't even that's not good framing but uh <laughs> do Tough. you even vlog bro no but uh <laughs> but um i think and this could all be conspiracy but i'm going to choose to uh live in my own bubble with this um but if you look at how Idris Elba mm -hmm. has talked about um, how he maintains his mental health, how he his outlook on life mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. He seems to be the type of person who is not pessimistic generally and chooses even when there is a whole cloud of negativity happening to actively seek the positive. Right. And I didn't personally watch his interview with or their interview with Oprah. So I don't know what was said, but I did see the thumbnail and he was definitely smiling. And all I've seen of him since his, him saying he was, you know, tested positive has been smiling. So I'm wondering if there is a mindset correlation. Um, OK, <laughs> because and I believe 100% in mass hysteria phenomenons. Um, so I think that there are a lot of things that the spread of them could be slowed down mm -hmm. if they were not given media coverage. So yeah. I really wonder and question, is it the fact of this virus? Because we've always been told that medicine and science have all the answers. Anything in the world that needs to be explained can be explained by those two factors, right? I never told you that. So, well, no, but just generally, you know, like that's what you're taught. Yeah. So is it really that this is just a medical mystery and they just really cannot figure it out and it's every single case is different? Or is it that every single person is choosing to deal with this differently? <laughs> okay, hold on. I just pulled up. <laughs> This this text interview okay. that Idris did with Elba. I'm okay, I told her. I feel fine. He explained that he has been almost entirely symptom-free with no fever and some shortness of breath that he attributes to the high altitude more than the virus itself. Mind you, he's in Mexico where, you know, he's, he's at altitude. Yeah. And there was no, he came from, I think he came from the UK. So... Of course, he's going to have altitude issues. Yeah. Everybody would. Yeah. That's typically normal. Um, and altitude issues, you know, consists of shortness of breath, lightheadedness, you know, those types of things. Yeah. In severe cases, you know, even, uh, you know, even nausea and passing out. But um, so he says, where did I leave off? Uh, to the altitude more than the virus itself. If I'm really honest, it's been incredible just to sit still, he added. I never sit still. And so from a mental point of view, I feel pretty focused. 
so this was this was his you know overview of how the coronavirus has hit him mm-hmm. um elba pushed back on some conspiracy theories about the virus explaining that it became all too real for him when he got his positive test result but he also accused the media of scaremongering and framing the crisis in an overly dramatic way had i not been on a film set i don't think i would have been able to get a test as easily as i did elba said later acknowledging the special treatment that celebrities have been receiving during the crisis and despite not showing any symptoms he was tested and giving it given a chance to get any necessary treatment and prevent the spread by quarantining himself so it's pretty interesting that dude said you know <laughs> i like i'm good yeah i'm on vacation like, <laughs> all right thank you actually i'm good yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm good and it's actually even been a good thing for me because i've been able to pull back from my overly hectic schedule mm-hmm. my over commitments my super stressful lifestyle and slow down yeah and if you look at some of the immunocompromising behaviors stress huge contributor mm-hmm. Um, lack of sleep or poor sleep quality, another major contributor. So this dude is saying, oh, I'm basically on a forced vacation. And because of that forced vacation, I'm doing better. Yeah. Some food for thought. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I mean, you know, pulling on that thread a little bit more. Uh, he also said, you know, scaremongering and media and so on and so forth. So that leads me to how much of this is hype and hyperbole. Like how much is the media enhancing the manifestation of symptoms in individuals? Yeah. What are your thoughts there? I think, I mean, and as I said earlier, I I think that if this had not received as much coverage as it did um in the in the time that it did i think we would have seen a very different result and i'm not saying that to say that this isn't real or you know that it's not an issue that should be paid attention to but i think that this is being handled as more of a publicity stunt almost mm-hmm. than it is a global health crisis. Hmm. So that's that's my personal view. And I'm just going to toss it out there that it's convenient timing that this is happening right before the election. But who knows? You know, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, um, speaking of belief and uh, mindset and and influenced by outside sources, there was a book written by Dr. Bruce Lipton, and it's called The Biology of Belief, and it's a fantastic book, uh, super insightful, and in that book, he discusses how on a very, uh, I'm oversimplifying it here, but on a very, very basic level, what you believe influences reality um, from a physical nature, from a physical perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Wayne Dyer had a quote um, and says, you know, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. 
And that was loosely based on quantum physics when the discovery of the mere observation of a particle changed the behavior of the particle. Yeah. So having combined all three of those, um, you know, kind of triads of wisdom, if you will, it becomes very interesting when we look at how the media's influence has, I guess, affected us mm-hmm. as, you know, as a whole. Yeah. That's, it's pretty crazy. It's not new by no. any stretch of the no. imagination. I mean, there's no surprise that, you know, the media has a, a huge contributory influence on mindset. And if you doubt that in any way, shape or form, or you think that we are, you know, potentially elaborating or uh, embellishing in any way, just look at how much money is spent in political campaigns. I was just about to say that. On on media. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's got to be an obvious connection between Mm -hmm. the manipulation control influencing the media and its ability to influence our thoughts and ideas and feelings and emotions and behavior. Yeah. So there's no logical reason to think that this would be any different. And I wonder if the media were more aggressive in a different way Mm -hmm. if we would be, you know, um, speculating on a, on an outcome of a different type of story. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that that's definitely something to be considered because I was thinking the other day about how we've heard so many reports about how people, you know, there have been so many deaths and there have been so many quarantines and there have been so many confirmed cases. But what we're not really hearing is the fact that there have been so many recoveries and the fact that there are so many people who have technically tested positive, but are, you know, for, they said two weeks is the time, like that's the time limit. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're four weeks out and they're good. Like they had no symptoms and they're just chilling, like waiting for it to, you know, die down and get under control. But we're not, we're not blasting that. So we're putting into these media outlets. Oh, like, you know, Italy, for example, how much that was blown up. And obviously that's so sad, but I was looking at the numbers earlier and yes, there have been a significant amount of cases in Italy. But there have also been quite a few recoveries in Italy. Mm-hmm. But we're not hearing that. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, just, again, food for thought. <laughs> it looks like the World Health Organization is reporting uh, approximately two weeks for, you know, mild cases. And three to six weeks for patients with severe or critical cases. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm seeing here, I'm on the same website, uh, world health organization. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, they're saying that a, about 80% of cases recover from the disease without needing special treatment and B around one out of every six people who gets COVID-19 becomes seriously ill and develops difficulty breathing. Hmm. So those numbers in themselves are something to look at because if we're saying that about 80% of cases recover, 
that's pretty good considering that this is a pandemic. Yeah. CNN did a, uh, you know, published an article six days ago saying that the data from China shows the majority of people with COVID-19 only suffer mild symptoms and then recover. Um, you know, in all fairness, any data coming out of China is suspect. But again, you know, it's it's probably worth looking at. But as far as recovery goes, it looks like, you know, the the differentiation between infected, you know, male and female looks almost easy. I'm sorry, almost equal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but curiously, there have been more men that have actually died from the virus than women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, speculators say in this particular article that that is most likely largely influenced by lifestyle changes um, in terms of, you know, substance abuse. The ratio is heavier on the men's side. Yeah. In terms of lifestyle, you know, immunohazard, you mm -hmm. know, behavior. Men are a little bit heavier on the lifestyle. Men tend to, you know, there are more male smokers in the world. That's what I was just going to ask. Is that related to the smoking ratio? I think so. And I don't know about you, but I just just here, you know, in our little uh, small corner of the world, mm -hmm. um, in terms of vapors, I would say 90 to 95 percent of everyone I've seen vaping was probably a male. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, of different ages, mm -hmm. sadly. Yeah, exactly. But, but male. So I would think that those behaviors are complementary to, you know, compromised immune systems and and putting yourself more at risk. Yeah. So what is your generation like, you know, your contemporaries? What are they saying about this whole thing? I know you're chatting with people, you know, texting. <laughs> 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 yeah as i always do um so first of all i want to say that this quarantine is pretty much how i live every day so it's kind of not much different the only difference is that i can no longer go to the store and the mall um to spend money that i shouldn't necessarily be spending so honestly it's probably been better um, but as far <laughs> as far as my uh, peers, um, it's kind of it's kind of been mixed as far as my friend group. I have some that are like super freaked out about it um, from a personal standpoint. I'm I have gonna, I'm going to have a sip of water. Is that OK? okay yes, you go ahead. <laughs> um, I have some that are more concerned about it because they're concerned about their parents and their grandparents, aunts, uncles, um, or, you know, their younger family members. So cousins, whatever. Right. Um, and then I've seen quite a few, not kind of outside of my personal circle, but who are, you know, in the same age group and they're like, this is so dumb. Why is everybody not just staying home? <laughs> like, Let's just do what we're told and then we can move on right. because like you're annoying me. So I feel like I kind of fall somewhere in the middle of those three. Um, but explain, you, you say you fall in the middle of those three. What, like what's well, what's your take? Are you are you afraid of catching the virus? Would you say that you have some fear surrounding this? 
not honestly no I feel like I should be <laughs> um and I was telling somebody this the other day I was like I feel like I should be more concerned than I am but I'm failing to see how in my position in my physical position how it would affect me as anything more than the flu or a cold and I've had some pretty bad colds before so I'm like I don't know I kind of feel like I'd be okay as naive as that may sound mm-hmm. um so no as far as that I'm good um but I am concerned about the people around me getting it or getting exposed to it um because that could look very different for them um and then I'm frustrated by the people that I'm seeing who are you know still out like literally for no reason still out and like partying like it's fine like there was I don't know if you heard about the beach full of spring breakers I believe it was last week in Miami Mm -hmm. and it was full and I'm like really got like I get it but this is not what we meant by YOLO like (laughs) (laughs) like that really um so that kind of stuff is frustrating but I generally have an issue with how like people part portray our generation sometimes so this kind of feeds into that i feel like well most of the time it's rightfully earned yeah no but (laughs) i mean (laughs) okay you guys didn't see that you know glaring look that i just got there's no proof that that's what occurred so so people are definitely you know up in arms about this whole uh this whole virus and Again, we're not trying to belittle it or marginalize the impact that it has had. Uh, certainly, you know, no disrespect in any way, shape, or form to the the unfortunate humans who have lost their lives as a result of um, you know contracting COVID nineteen. But we are looking at some of the other you know correlative and causation related. Um, lifestyle choices and certain circumstances and just you know again bringing them up as hmm maybe we should be looking at this maybe we should question this a little bit deeper maybe if we took action in a slightly different area we could create a more substantial impact in a shorter period of time obviously we don't have the answers we don't work for the cdc or any other medical institution Uh, So please do not take or construe this as any form of medical advice. We're not looking to get sued. We're just offering some opinions and alternative thought. Um, But it's crazy because uh, medical and healthcare workers are actually getting evicted from their, you know, their places. Um, It's pretty rampant now, as a matter of fact. Uh, There was a woman in Las Vegas that uh, she's a nurse and she's an emergency room nurse, she came home and found a notice on her door from the landlord saying, you need to vacate within 24 hours. Wow. We fear for our safety. That's ridiculous. The landlord is, you know, an older woman, and I think, you know, she's in her late 60s or early 70s and just said, you know, no debate necessary. I don't want to have a discussion about this, but you got to go. Wow. So... (laughs) That sucks. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I get the concern, obviously, from her standpoint, but this is somebody who's 
contributing to the fight against this, who has no choice. Like, I'm sure she doesn't necessarily want to be going and exposing herself to that potentially, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't think so, but she's still morally like, this is my job and this is what I, you know, I decided to become a nurse so I could help people and I, they need help. So here I am type of thing. So that's, that sucks that that's what some people are having to deal with when they're like willingly risking their lives potentially. Tough. Yeah. (laughs) Very. Very tough. So I, um, I think we should, you know, probably draw this to a close and my closing remarks on this topic would be read the information from a variety of sources, look to the science, look for the inconsistencies. And in the meantime, while you're doing all of that, just take the same simple precautions that you learned in like third grade, wash your hands, don't cough in other people's faces, look for the invisible trail of saliva, mucus, all the other body secretions that humans release on a regular basis and protect yourself from that. Keep your hands away from your face, keep them out of your mouth. You know, it's, I'm, I'm saying this, you know, in somewhat of a condescending fashion because we already had this knowledge and information. So the exceptions, if we were already doing that, there's no doubt in my mind that the spread of this would have been definitely much slower. Yeah. The second component is why are you coughing in people's faces? Why are you sneezing when you have five people surrounding you? Exactly. Excuse yourself from the environment, move away and go take care of that stuff. As I said to somebody earlier, we were joking about it. I was like, if you had to let out a giant ripping fart, would you do it? In the middle of five people? No. Yeah, no. So why do you think it's okay to have the same expulsion of air yeah, exactly. come out of your mouth and nose? That when did that become acceptable? Yeah. Like so just common courtesy and you know, respect for other people's space mm-hmm. is I think probably a huge lesson that's gonna come out of this. Yeah. I and let's I hope, hope. I hope it's not missed. Yeah. Because so. I'd be, for the most part, I'd be cool with keeping the, the six feet thing. I think that's <laughs> fine. Absolutely. Uh, so I don't, we're going to keep an eye out, guys. We're going to start a change.org campaign. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> well, Link uh, in the description below. Petition to keep six feet. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're you're 100% correct. Uh, this is stuff that we all should have been paying attention to before. And this is an unfortunate way to bring this to the surface. Um, But it's here and it's been brought. So we've got to deal with it now. It's brung. Exactly. It's been brung. And we gonna learn today. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, thanks so much, guys, for listening and taking the time. I hope you enjoyed um, listening to our dialogue and If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear back from you. In the meantime, Miss Kaya. Yeah, I think that is it from us. Um, Like he said, if you do have any questions, comments, 
concerns, <laughs> um, go ahead on over to Instagram. You can find us there. Um, it is the exact same name as this podcast. Um, and, and yeah. What is the name of that? That's Two Wheels and a Mic. Two Wheels and a <laughs> Mic. Yes. Until next time, guys, stay safe and stay smart. And talk soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye bye.